One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'm Helen and this is the Squiggly Careers podcast. In the next few episodes, we're doing something a bit different for the summer, and you might be listening outside the summer, and that's fine too. <laughs> but we thought we would focus on some of the factors outside of work that we think help you to succeed in work. And we're covering health, sleep, which we'll be talking about today, money, and relationships. And we are absolutely not the experts on any of these <laughs> topics, so much so we had a debate about whether we should even talk about them and should we get guests. But in the end, what we decided to do for each episode was choose a different book to read so we could dive a bit deeper into the topic. And in our conversations together, we're going to talk about what we learned and how it's helped us. So hopefully it gives you some useful ideas for action and tools to try out, just like the rest of the Squiggly Careers podcast. I also think... I think it's a good thing that we're not expert because hopefully a lot of people listening don't consider themselves to be experts in this area and they're a bit like us looking for some help. So we're all we're all in it together. So should we share what books on sleep we both read and why we chose these books? Do you want to go yes. first? Yes. So I read, Sarah can see this, I read Lifetime. This is a beast of a book. Uh, it is, <laughs> that is not the subtitle. The subtitle. It feels like that's not going to be the quote that they'll use on the yeah, uh, poster. Not, not so much. Uh, the subtitle, the professional one, the approved one is The New Science of the Body Clock and How It Can Revolutionise Your Sleep and Health, written by Russell Foster, who is... The Professor of Circadian Neuroscience at the University of Oxford. It is a brainy book, everyone, is what I would say. <laughs> what about I you? do remember you being quite proud of yourself when you messaged me when you finished it. I feel like it was quite an achievement yeah, I thought, that I thought, you I thought you were going to say, I remember you were quite proud of yourself when you were reading. I did not feel proud. I was like, this is a slog through sleep. <laughs> it was fine. It was my, and I read some of it on the beach as well. It is not Ooh. really a beach book. Ah, well, I wouldn't describe mine as a beach book either, but it is certainly, I think it is described as accessible science in some of the reviews. I think it does what it says on the tin. So this is Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, which I would guess some of our listeners will have read because that book has been around for a few years. It's on lo I've seen it on lots of bookshelves. It's been on my bookshelf for a while. I always see it in bookshops. And actually, I was looking at some different courses that you can take around the world. And Matthew Walker's course on sleep has been taken by like hundreds of thousands of people I think he teaches over at California and he's been studying sleep again a bit like your author for I think 20-25 years so really really knows his stuff but I do think has set out to write a book that 
everyone could read, even though at times I still found it quite sciencey. <laughs> but I think, you know, I wasn't necessarily like the best science student at school, but it, it was definitely, it all made sense to me, which I think was a good start. So maybe like on the science scale, yours sounds like accessible science. And I it wouldn't was. say mine is inaccessible. I think it might be higher on the science scale, it would does, be the yeah. nice way of saying it. And one thing actually I did want to say on reading books about sleep, the reason this has been on my bookshelf for a few years and I've only read it now is I don't think I could have read this book before now. I think I'd have found it really demotivating. So for anyone who has young kids who don't sleep or perhaps you care for somebody and that means that your sleep is really disrupted. So almost the quality of your sleep health is out of your control. I remember feeling very frustrated, borderline angry when people would talk to me about how important it is to sleep when I was getting no sleep and there wasn't a lot that I could do about it. So I think I've also had to like bide my time a bit with like thinking and and reading a bit about sleep because I think we all intuitively know it's really important. But if you're not quite in the right mindset, I actually think this book would have done more harm than good. I I don't think I would have been able to read it all two years ago, three years ago certainly not five years ago when my little boy was first born. And so I just thought, maybe that's not relevant for that many people listening. I don't know. But I just thought, if that is you, I don't think this book makes you feel better. I think, if anything, it'll make you feel worse because it will remind you just how important sleep is and then the fact you're not getting any. I'm trying to look at my notes and just think that the people in that situation is there before they give up on this podcast and they're like, I don't want to listen to this either. (laughs) I would say fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. Come back for next week's on money. I'm just trying to think about whether there's other insights that I've got so even if you feel like your sleep's not entirely in your control is there anything that you could do differently I think there might be I'm a person to the test everybody see if there's other things that if that isn't in your control there might be some different things that you can do so we wanted to start with three things that we had both learned from each of these books and hopefully they're different things Sarah and I haven't talked about this beforehand so it might be just three of the same things about sleep but who knows so Sarah do you want to go first with your three things that you learned Yes. And actually, to your point, I think some of these things I think are interesting if you're just curious about how the brain works and how we learn. So these things, I think I just felt like I was more knowledgeable about how we learn, which was interesting. That wasn't necessarily what I'd expected to learn from a book about sleep. So my first thing was, of course, sleep is good for us in loads of ways. So memory, creativity, diet, you live longer. So there is a really long list of how sleep helps us. But I think it's more interesting when you get specific. So then I sort of tried to dive in with the three things like, okay, specifically, like, why is it good for us? And one of the things was around memory. So we can only hold so much information in our short term memory. He describes it as almost like temporary storage in what's called your hippocampus. That's like one part of your brain. And when you sleep, you transfer some of like what's in that short term memory into your long term secure vault, which is your cortex. And that sort of made sense to me that kind of I mean, I'm not imagining it, I'm sure very accurately, but it's sort of I'm almost imagining it like going in through my forehead. And then as I go to sleep, it sort of goes into the rest of your brain and that frees up space for the next day, which we kind of all need. And he does describe sleep as essentially the save button in our brain that helps us to consolidate what we learn. And I really liked that. I was like, that save button, I think, because we've all done, you know, control S, we've all, we all save all the time. That really made sense for me as a way of thinking about like how it helps us to learn and to absorb. And he also is a kind of side point because he obviously does a lot of teaching himself. He talked about the difference between spaced out learning and mass learning and why spaced out learning is so important because as the name suggests, when you do sort of little and often, you stand a chance of that stuff sort of making its way 
in you know through the save button into the cortex and sort of sticking and staying with you whereas mass learning like sure maybe you're trying to cram and do a lot maybe you're cramming for exams for example it might help you pass the exam but it doesn't actually help you to learn and you know he practices what he preaches that he doesn't have exams in the courses that he does he does this kind of idea of spaced out learning because he said that's how people will actually learn about sleep so I thought that point around sleep and memory and how they work together was fascinating I read a bit actually about memory, talking about these three stages of memory, acquisition, consolidation and retrieval. And that consolidation bit, the vault being the bit that gets most affected when you don't when you don't sleep well. And so the second thing was that, you know, when we say to each other and I think we actually do say these words to each other, I'm going to sleep on it. I I definitely say that 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 is genuinely very good advice backed up by science. And interestingly, Matthew Walker points out that a version of that phrase exists in most languages. So regardless of sort of culture and where you are in the world, this idea of sleeping on it is good for us because it helps us to be creative and problem solve in a different way to the way that we can do when we're awake. It's almost like impossible for our brains to work in the way that they do when they're asleep. So the brain fuses together that almost disparate sets of knowledge that means that we can problem solve in a new way. He mentions a quote from John Steinbeck where he says, a problem difficult at night is resolved in the morning after the committee of sleep has worked on it. Oh, I love And I was that. like, I loved, I just loved this idea of all these like little sleep people in my brain. <laughs> and then the final thing, and I'm sure I cannot believe you've read a book about sleep and not done a questionnaire on sleep, so we'll come to that, is that, Sleep is personal for all of us in terms of what it looks like and, you know, what our sleep rhythms are. But there are a few things that we all have in common. So, again, we're all hardwired, Matthew Walker says, to have a dip in alertness that occurs in the mid-afternoon. So whether you're a morning person, a kind of in-between person or an evening person, mid-afternoon, really think about how you're spending your time. And I was like, that's really interesting because for most of us, mid-afternoon is when we are we are working. Most people are probably working mid-afternoon. So I was connecting back to the first podcast we did in this series on walk and I was like okay so is that almost the perfect time to take a walk because it's probably not the perfect time to do any work and even kind of makes a joke like never get the mid-afternoon slot in a meeting don't try and do your best problem solving then don't try and do the hardest thing mid-afternoon so I was like oh that's kind of quite interesting and I worked out that I'm actually not a morning or an evening person I'm one of the 30 percent that is sort of, to be honest, like boringly in between with a slight leaning towards evening, which I, I recognise that in myself. And his questionnaire, the one that he sort of recommends having a look at, which is really easy to remember, is called SATED, which stands for Satisfied Alert Timing, Efficiency and Duration. And we'll put a link to it in the podcast. And you, it's literally a kind of, do you feel satisfied with your sleep, like somewhat or very much satisfied? And you just get a score out of 10. And it just helps you to break down a little bit sort of where you might want to work on your sleep a bit more because some of us sort of have, let's say you might be someone who wakes up quite frequently. You might get enough sleep, but maybe you wake up quite a bit or maybe you're not sleeping for long enough or maybe you struggle to decompress in the evenings. You know, so it's almost helps you to, it was simple and it made sense to me very quickly, but it did help me to think, okay, well, if I was going to do something different when we go on to what might you do differently, it helped me to think, what might I do in my day? What might I do in my week? And also, what do you already do well? Because, you know, sometimes you do things well. I definitely read some things and thought, oh, I do that. 
And oh, that's a good thing. And give yourself some credit. Well, also just re- keep doing it. You yeah. know, sometimes if you don't realise, then you don't you don't know that you're doing that well. So I'll perhaps come on to some of those things when we talk next about what we're going to do differently. But they were kind of the three things that I took away for me from reading it. So I wrote down five things, which I'm glad I did because two and a bit of the things are the same as yours. Oh, which is quite interesting though. But what yeah. I like about the way that you describe... Shows that the research is real research, Yeah, right? the research is real research. <laughs> but I do think um, the way that you describe some of the things, some of the ways that he talked about it, Matthew Walker, it sounds like, you know, the idea of a vault and switches and things like that. They, it's quite a nice tangible way of talking about the science, which I think this book doesn't pretend to do. <laughs> like it, at no point does it need to talk about vaults and things. But the three things that I have taken away that are slightly different. So just to build on your last point about people having different types. In this book, it talks, it, they're called chronotypes, which mm-hmm. I think of as, that's your body clock, basically. So we all have a certain chronotype and there are three types that people often have a preference for. So 10% of people are larks i.e. early morning birds. 65% of people are apparently doves. So that's the people that are in the middle. So no major preference, to be honest. And 25% of people are owls. So kind of the people who have a strong preference for a more of a nighttime-based chronotype. And so Sarah had said she's sort of in the middle with maybe a leaning towards an owl. I am an out and out lark. I took the survey, which is in the back of the book, actually, and this one there's an appendix. And there's... I kind of thought... I I was thinking... I'm not sure I need to answer this many questions. I'm a pretty clear lark. So it's maybe more beneficial for people who don't not have sure. clarity. Yeah, I was like, I'm an, I mean, I'm just proving what I already know. But I did think it was quite interesting that only 10% of people are early morning birds because it made me think, gosh, I must irritate like 90% of people was my reflection when I go, oh, <laughs> just get up in the morning or, you know, do it earlier. That is a preference for a minority of people. And yeah. so if you are an early morning person, don't assume that other people are like you because most of them aren't. Yeah, Matthew Walker actually makes the point. He says how irritating it is. You know when CEOs <laughs> yeah. say, you know there is a thing though about CEOs, like, yeah. oh, two hours before everyone has got up, they've already been for a run and read a book. And we've kind of talked about that before, about how that feels really unrealistic. And I think sometimes we can beat ourselves up because maybe some of those CEOs you hear about are in the 10%. So that might genuinely work really well for us it's a bit like Libby who wrote do walk saying well she gets up at 5 five thirty and goes for her you know really big walk at that time in the morning if I took from that well for me to go for a walk I've got to at exactly the same time then again it just feels like something you ignore because it doesn't feel you know right you don't for want you. nine out of ten people to beat themselves up because they no. struggle to get up to go for a walk in the morning or do whatever it is the CEOs do yeah so I thought that was quite I think I maybe had a bit of an empathy about that but the thing that I actually really took away from that insight was that you need to match your work to your chronotype for the best success. So for example, they talked about like people that do night shifts and things like that. So for me, I need to sort of design my day around the fact that I'm an early morning person. So if we are recording a podcast in the evening, that is never when I'm going to do my best work. So I think it's sort of trying to design your day around your chronotype as much as possible has a lot of benefits for your performance. I thought it was quite interesting. Insight on the term social jet lag, which I'd never heard of before, is a new term to me. So there's a whole chapter on the impact of jet lag on and sleep and performance and what you should do if you travel a lot. I won't go into that. But your social jet lag is the mismatch between when you naturally want to wake up and when you force yourself to wake up. So, you know, if you're like, well, I naturally want to wake up at 7.30, but I force myself to do it at six because I've got to get a train, then you can suffer from this thing called social jet lag. And it talks about when the clocks change 
the impact of that on people's performance is actually quite significant. So, you know, I just dismiss it and go, get over it, clocks change every year. But actually, there's quite a lot of research that shows that for some people, you have higher levels of depression, you have higher levels of accidents, whole load of issues when the clocks change because of this social jet lag. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And the third thing that I learned was all about light and the importance of sleep and light. So basically, all of us, whether you are a lark or an owl or a dove, like wherever you are, <laughs> morning light is important and everyone should try and get... So what morning looks like might be different, like the hour that you might determine a morning to be. Light is important for all of us in sort of resetting our body clock. So the sooner that you can go and get some natural light, the better it is for you and your energy like over the day, which I thought was quite interesting. Like, do you go for a walk? Do you walk to a station? Do you go for a walk in the morning? Do you even... I've even had my breakfast outside a few times while it's been hot. Fancy. Um, I know how fancy. It always feels really fancy. It's, yeah. like, it's like going for brunch. You know, I feel like going for brunch is quite fancy. fancy. Yeah. And the opposite of that is you should avoid light at night. So obviously, like, you know, you hear a lot about your phone. Like, your phone emits a certain amount of light. And there are certain, like, I don't know, some blue light blue settings light. you can Yeah, get, I learned quite a lot you know, about blue light. Everyone goes on about that. But the most interesting thing I was reading was that your bathroom light. Because your bathroom is one of the brightest rooms in your house very often because you have a lot of like you know lights over your mirrors and all that kind of stuff and obviously you're in there before you go to bed probably brushing your teeth and the light is very bright and it was saying you know you should try and have dimmer light in the evening get light in the morning dimmer light in the evening and that's something we can all do to improve our sleep <laughs> i now feel good about the fact that my bathroom is very dark <laughs> <laughs> my dingy dark yeah, bathroom it is, is quite great it for is, my sleep yeah it's quite dingy but i was I thinking I was it's not very bright your bathroom <laughs> i was like oh okay well that's quite good then because that is the bathroom that i used to like brush my teeth and stuff i was like oh it's maybe i just need to reframe it as like rather than dingy it's just like oh it's like 
resetting well, me ready for they call evening. it your psychological sleep preparation <laughs> so as you go to bed in the evening and you reduce your light it's part of your psychological sleep preparation so your bathroom is now part of that sleep i don't don't know how bright it is in the morning but at night you're sorted <laughs> so let's move on to the next question what if anything has it the book made you think or do differently and I know that you said when you were reading it you found some of it quite confronting about how much sleep you get Helen so any, anything changed in your sleep pattern or is T- TBC well I've actually I have gone to bed earlier definitely not like every single night and there are some nights when I'm out for work things or I, I say or work I'm just, I'm just I'm just out having a party like <laughs> work things that's definitely in inverted covers <laughs> or just out yeah. and then I'll get up early for work things yeah that's true um, you do do that. that's true that's true but that hasn't changed but I wouldn't I wouldn't compromise on that anyway but there are nights when it's almost I sort of end up you know you like watch Netflix or you just I just listen to music for longer than I need to and those nights I've definitely more consciously gone what am I doing go and get some sleep because of what I've been reading and I have like I mentioned about the going outside because it's been warmer and I don't think I'd do it in the winter but there's been definitely mornings when I've thought oh why am I sitting in my dining room I might just go out the door and sit outside and have my breakfast and those are two things that I've definitely done as a result of reading and reflecting on the stuff on sleep in the book what about you? Well, so I don't think I've done anything differently. I think there was one stat that shocked me a bit, but I'm just working myself up to whether I do anything about it, is that, did you know that caffeine has an average half-life of between five and seven hours? And I quite like a coffee. I actually love, I love tea as well, but I do drink quite a lot of decaf tea, so I'm sort of used to that. And one of the questions that Matthew Walker says in the book, he's like asking some questions about like, how would you feel about X or why to do with sleep? And most of them I was like, oh, that's fine. And like, I like going to bed. And I think because I had a couple of years when my little boy was first born of really bad sleep, I think I value it even more. You know, when something's been taken away, you then realise just how great it is. But one of the questions is, can you imagine like waking up and then like not having a coffee or functioning as well without having a coffee? And I was like, no. Absolutely not. It's like, it is my, it used to be tea, but coffee is like my first drink of the day. I feel like that happens a bit when you get older, maybe. I don't know, but it definitely has become like my first drink of the day. Do I think I could give up my first coffee of the day? Like, absolutely not. I'm I'm definitely not there yet. But I do have more than one coffee. And I was like, well, maybe a bit like I drink a lot of decaf tea. I was like, maybe as the day goes on, I could then switch to decaf coffee. Because also he says, oh, decaf coffee doesn't mean non-caffeinated it just means less caffeine and I was like oh okay so even that's not quite a solution and he does talk about like it like lasts in your system for so long so much longer than you imagine and even things like I mean I am going to do this straight after this podcast like you're not meant to eat chocolate in the evening and I've I've got some giant buttons downstairs that I'm definitely (laughs) going to eat after this and I really I love your chocolate and I like I really like chocolate so I was like I really like coffee and I really like so I definitely eat and drink some things that could be getting in my way and then the other you're starting your day with with the the caffeine and I go for a walk yeah I go for a walk (laughs) with the coffee so it's like do they do they kind of balance each other out and eat equal each other I don't know and the one other thing which I recognize but I'm not sure I could really do anything about is Exercise is obviously really good for you and really good for helping you to sleep. But if you exercise too late in an evening, it actually wakes you back up. And I really recognize that from when I play later netball matches. So if I'm playing at like some of the matches are like eight o'clock in the evening or 20 past eight. So you don't finish playing until maybe gone 9 p.m. And I find I've just like I just wake myself back up and I always find those nights it takes me way longer to sort of decompress and go to sleep. And so, I mean, I'm not going to 
stop playing in those things because that's a different aspect of something I really enjoy. But I think it's probably recognising if you are doing that, because lifestyle-wise, that's kind of what you're doing, what you could then do when you come home. So, for example, then maybe trying not to eat later, actually having like a hot shower, but then letting you cool down, your bedroom temperature apparently needing to be about 18 degrees, or, or like, or there's um, at the end of the book, there's in the appendix, there's 12 tips for healthy sleep, which like anyone can access. I think it's um, almost by like, it's like a health service list it's not necessarily Matthew Walker's list it's a these are sensible things for us all to do and I think actually going through that 12 is quite helpful and just being like okay well I'll do that one well maybe less so but if I am going to go and play netball late at night well here's what I could do to sort of still try and help me get a good night's sleep I will try and dig out that list and put it into the pod sheet so if you're listening and you're like I'd quite like those 12 tips please then we will dig it out put the link in the pod sheet and you'll be able to access it there. So who would you recommend this book to Helen? You sort of sold it as quite a hardcore read I'm gonna I'm gonna say at the start of the podcast (laughs) who do you think would enjoy the book I've put I would recommend this to somebody who likes facts and research heavy double exclamation mark (laughs) so I don't maybe that someone's listening like that is me I like facts and research with double exclamation mark if that is you this is the this is the book on sleep you need in your life (laughs) Uh, what about Matthew Walker's I would say anyone who enjoys accessible science, because I do think the majority of it is, and actually it's interesting. And if you're just curious about sleep and how sleep works, I felt like I was just learning about that generally. So even some of the parts that felt less relevant to me, like there's a whole section on sleeping pills where I just didn't know anything about sleeping pills. I've never taken them before. It certainly makes you less likely to take them having read the chapter about them. He's not completely anti them, but he just talks about like why they can be quite detrimental. And I think if you are having trouble sleeping, he definitely doesn't suggest, you know, read the book and he's going to solve all your problems. He's not sort of suggesting that. And he does talk a lot about, you know, people should go and see doctors and GPs and how important it is to do that if you are, you know, having more serious problems sleeping. But I think if you're just thinking, my sleep quality is not as good as I would like it to be, I think this book could be a really good place to start. And I'd feel pretty confident it would help you with some, at least some ideas or some things to try out. And what about your favourite sentence or bit of the book or something surprised you from it? So it was a sentence, probably slightly longer than a quote. And he says, sleep provides a nighttime theatre in which your brain tests out and builds connections between vast stories of information. And I just really liked that idea of a nighttime theatre. A bit like we described that... um, community that yeah community and stress committee that comes together when you sleep but I think the nighttime theatre was even more kind of evocative for me in terms of what might be happening and these stories of information and this problem solving and creativity and memory storage and pressing save that was happening that sentence just really kind of stood out to me and I think Matthew Walker using those kind of descriptions really helped me to understand some of the concepts that at times I was probably at risk of losing my way or not quite understanding, even though it was accessible science. And I think some of those kind of descriptions kind of really brought me back into the book. And my favourite bit is a bit actually that I think connects last week's episode on health with this week's on um, sleep. And it's sort of the role that stress plays. And there was just this really nice analogy 
of what stress is like for your brain. So I think last week we talked about Dr. Bungham Chatterjee saying that not all stress is bad. Like some stress can go back to be activating, but it's when it is sustained stress and unmanaged that becomes an issue. And in the book, he says that rapid stress is a bit like putting a car engine into first gear. It gives you an immediate and helpful acceleration. But if you leave the engine in first gear for too long, you may destroy it. Ooh. And I just thought, yeah, because I thought actually I kind of get that. You know, you're like you rev a car and you're like, yeah. <laughs> like I kind of thought, oh, I see how that affects so many things. It affects the quality of sleep. It affects some of the other things we talked about health. And I just thought it was a nice sentence to join the dots between the two different episodes. So we hope you found that useful to listen to and something a little bit different from us. Next week, we're going to be talking about money before we then Uh-oh. move on to relationships. I think money is the one that we are both most scared of, probably because we both realise that I wouldn't say it's either of our fortes. Also, we have, I reckon we have quite a different approach to money, do you think? Yeah, we definitely do. Okay. Yeah, we definitely do. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> but if you do want any of the links to the resources that we've mentioned, some of those questionnaires and those quizzes, we'll put everything in the show notes. And if you ever get stuck or you can't find something you're looking for you can always email us we're helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com thank you so much for listening everybody and we're back with you again next week thank you bye for now even on a budget quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.